Hello, everyone. This is Sonata Allison, and you're listening to episode 51 of the Parallel Podcast, where we talk about sexuality as it should be. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Parallel Podcast. Hope you guys are having a great day today. I hope you are in good spirits. Um, yeah, so as you guys can see, we'll be talking about emotional intelligence today. Um, I first want to say, I think last week I told you guys that um, the top three uh, listening countries was United States, South Africa, and Barbados and Russia were tied for third. But guess what? The Barbados is top three now. I don't know what you guys are doing in Russia in the last week, but um, you're losing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know what to say. <laughs> but um, yeah, if you guys want to do better, then tell your friends about the podcast. So, yes, as you guys can see, we'll be talking about the emotional intelligence. Um, So before I did my bachelor's in psychology, I didn't really know that there was a word for people who know how to handle their own emotions and other people's emotions. Um, I didn't know like the intricacies of emotional intelligence or EQ, um, as, as the smart people like to say. But as we've spoken about in the past, having um, language for things that help uh well, having language, for language words, having language for things helps people um, on different levels. So I think sometimes we know things aren't right or we know that something exists, but we don't know the words for it. And, you know, once we learn that, you know, understand the words, you can actually uh, say things clearly and see things clearly. Um, whereas technically before you saw them clearly, you just didn't really have a full understanding. Um, so now that you do. Well, not a full understanding, but now that you know the word for it or have more information about it, it kind of brings this sense of release. Um, like when you have a faint resemblance of a song in your head and you're like, Hope and Google will somehow <laughs> be able to know what but up but but up means, you know what I'm saying? They, you just hope and you and you pray. Um, so you might even phone a friend. And then, you know, when you finally find the song, it's like, the world is at peace again and you can breathe and you can go on with your life. Um, was that too much? Cause that's, that's literally how I feel. So <laughs> that's how I feel. But anyways, I think when I was in my master's, I learned the different aspects of emotional IQ. Um, and yeah, I was in my master's. So we took an emotional intelligence quiz and I actually had a text textbook as well about emotional intelligence that I actually still have. It's sitting right here next to me. Um, and I think knowing the different aspects of emotional intelligence can help people love and be loved better. Um, and you can use emotional intelligence in the workplace as well. Most people who are successful in the workplace or in relationships are emotionally intelligent people, which obviously makes sense because humans have emotions and they affect how we relate to each other. Um, so not just loving people, but just interacting with others in a healthy manner. Um, I think this is an important topic to cover because I think a lot of people like to call themselves empaths, um, because they can feel the emotions of others, um, which I think is an important part of emotional intelligence, but it certainly is not all it takes to be emotionally intelligent. So we'll be talking about the four factor, uh, factors of emotional intelligence today. So let's get right into it. 
All right, so as I said, there's this fun thing that people have latched onto, you know, being an empath. It just sounds so mystical. And I think people make it seem like it's like this superpower that allows them to see people's hearts. Um, But if you think about it, if you are only able to feel the emotions of others, you know, you're only doing one part of the whole, you know. Um, You don't want to be such an empath that you end up crying more than the person who is going through what they are going through. Um, You know, you don't want to be the person who's ending up being needing to be consoled by the person who actually needs consoling, if that makes sense. So, you know, it's important to put yourself in other people's shoes, but you don't want to put yourself in that person's shoes so much to the point that the conversation becomes more about you in their shoes than them in their shoes. You know, uh, then that can be, you know, a really big issue for relationships. So, you know, what was supposed to be something that brings people together and allows for an intimate moment between lovers or friends or family um, now has left that person feeling less heard and less seen. And basically, you completely missed the goal. (laughs) You 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 failed the vibe check completely. So this is an opportunity for you to look at yourself and see you know, maybe why you're so sensitive to other people's emotions. Do, you know, other people's emotions easily affect you um, to the point where you're overwhelmed? Um, In episode 49, I spoke to Mike about men's emotions and we spoke about how men, in fact, are actually pretty emotional. They are emotional. Um, They may just be more comfortable expressing their emotions through anger, but they are actually very led by emotions. A lot of men are. Um, and that's where there are a lot of men just out here breaking people's hearts because they are following what their hearts want in the moment. Um, but once they leave that moment, they're out there doing other things. <laughs> but as you guys know, our hearts are fickle and they deceive us like Jeremiah seventeen nine says. So instead of being so sensitive, you know, to your emotions, you know, you should be more sensitive to the spirit, which should be ruling you. Um, yeah, it should be the opposite way around. And that goes for women as well. Some of us don't know how to take our hearts captive or don't even know what our hearts want. So we just go with whatever emotions we feel at the time. And, you know, if you feel that that applies to you, you feel like that's someone something that you do. I want you to just kind of look back in your past and see how it may have affected your your friendships, your familial relationships and also romantic relationships and your ability to engage in conflict like Um, you know, like me and Mike talked about in episode 49, being emotional is not the same thing as being emotionally intelligent. Those are two very different things. Humans are born with emotions. Um, but when you don't take them captive, you're not doing anything good for anybody and not even for yourself. So being emotionally intelligent should be the goal. So one of the key things that Mike spoke about that helped him in his journey to being more emotionally intelligent, you know, and and mine as well is self-management or in other words, self-control. Now, before I go into this, I want to I want you guys to keep in mind how these can, things can affect you sexually and relationally uh, when it comes to intimacy. Like I've told you guys in the past, when emotional intimacy is down, the first thing to go is usually sex. So if you don't feel safe in a relationship um, or if it's way, you know, you don't feel safe or you don't feel seen, it is way less likely that you will be desiring closeness you know whether that be sitting close to someone or hugging them um or being sexually intimate with someone so um 
I think it seems through research and, you know, just by the way that men explain their sex drive, it seems that men seek sex to feel emotionally close. Um, I recently read a post by Robert Marshall Jr. on Instagram, um, and he's a, a sex abuse survivor and advocate. And he spoke about how sex represents compassion, encouragement, and reassurance for men. And when you hear that as a woman, you may have similar feelings about sex or your desires for sex from sex. But um, I think it lets us see the heart for men's desire to have sex, even when there isn't emotional closeness. I know everyone says like, oh, men just want sex. They just want your body. Um, I think it's where many of them feel reassured. That's what sex does for them, that they are, you know, still loved and 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 deeply desired. And I think that's pretty deep pun intended now for women it seems to do the opposite and they're you know they're going to be women who respond and say you know i i respond the same way that men do and, and that's okay you're allowed to do that but i'm talking about the majority of women um you know we respond to emotional distance in a different way we need the you know, emotional aspect first to then engage in the more sexually intimate aspects so um you know women need to know that I'm safe and that the compassion is already here to then allow ourselves to open up and become more sexually intimate um and that also just takes getting to know your partner and who you are what you need um so for all my people who are abstinent and my virgins you know just tuck that away for later (laughs) Okay, don't start now because you're already you're doing great. So just keep it up. Um, But when we realize how interwoven sex is um, into our emotions and our literal bodies, because we have to remember like our our understanding of of emotions are in our brain, literally there. Okay, it's literally a, a tangible aspect of your body. Your amygdala is where a lot of your emotional processes are happening. So our emotions are definitely affected by our literal bodies and you are engaging in things that your body is is engaging in okay it's not just like a a thing that you're you're enjoying and doing your body is very mindful of when you allow people in your space in your temple and that's why I say I wish more Christians were having these conversations because you know it's not just about avoiding having a good time it's about saving the unnecessary heartbreak that a lot of people experience you know just having different conversations with people who have lost their virginity for the first virginity for the first time and it not being the best experience. Like a lot of people have horrible experiences with how they lost their virginity and how, you know, even I've told you guys in past episodes where I was in high school and and girls would find out that I was a virgin. They'd say, Oh yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. And it's like, girl, if you out here doing it, why should I not do it? I didn't want, I wasn't going to do it, but it's like, there's obviously something that, culture has to do with people giving up their bodies when they don't really have to so that's a little rant I just went on but um, our emotions are also very intertwined in, in how we engage sexually so let's get into the four factors of emotional intelligence so for all my anxious people I will say all four now then expand on them so y'all can breathe without fear that I'll never say the number four or like clearly outline it <laughs> with all four because I know you people are out there. So I got y'all. So um, the first one is self-awareness. The second is self-management. The third is social awareness. All right. So number one, self-awareness. 
just kidding. I, I got you guys. You see how I did that? There's four, but then I stopped at three and I said, okay, let's do number one. You see that? Okay. Nope. Okay. So the fourth one is relationship management. Got it? So you will hear them all again later. I mean, if you need to pause it and go back, write it down. If you're doing that and taking notes, that's pretty cool. Um, but yes, those are the four. So I'm not going to go as in depth as I would in a counseling or like coaching session. So if you want to learn more in depth, a great book that I got in my master's was called Emotional Intelligence 2.0. And it has, it actually has the emotional intelligence test in it as well. So it's by Travis Bradbury and Jean Graves. Graves? I'm not sure, but I'm going to put it in the description. So it's a really good book, really walks you through um, what you can do. Um, to improve each of these in more in more depth um, and also you can take the test to figure out you know where you're at with it all so I think that will be very helpful so the first one is self-awareness and I think a lot of the time we confuse this with social awareness or relationship management but it truly is just knowing you this is the step a lot of nice guys I talked about in episode 46 miss and, you know, there's a lot of nice girls out there, too, that are missing as well. Um, people in general. And I think, you know, not knowing yourself is also where low self-esteem kind of stems as well. So it has nothing to do with being a nice guy or a nice girl. If you don't know yourself in general, that's, I think, a lot where uh, our self-esteem starts to suffer as well. So self-aware people have the ability to know themselves, what they like, what they dislike, how they feel, what they want, and what they need. They're not often confused about these things or teeter-tottering, asking other people to choose things for themselves or asking others what they like because they know themselves. So these people have an accurate self-assessment as well. So if they're 5'8", they don't think they have to duck their head walking through a door in ways that someone would <laughs> if they were 6'5", might have to, you know? That's not something that I have to think about because I'm literally 5'4". Never have I thought, oh no, I'm going to hit my head on this door walking through a normal size human door it's just not something I worry about and it'd be weird if I thought about that often then I would have a weird a incongruent um assessment of my own height so these people understand their limitations they understand their strengths and also their weaknesses and through knowing themselves they have more self-confidence and faith in things that they have correctly self-assessed which is very simple if you um say when I eat mangoes I my throat closes up and I can no longer eat them for you to go on and tell your friends I I I am not allergic to mangoes you're just something's not you're not adding it up right sweetheart <laughs> okay so it needs to be something you are correctly self-assessing that you should be confident in it's very simple it's literally like two plus two equals four if most of the time well I can't use math but you know if you have something that most of the time two plus two equals four, then you can usually rely on that thing. So to become more self-aware, you need to be mindful of the effects your emotions have on you. Um, you have to be mindful of what things push your buttons and how your emotions affect you emotionally as well. This is what I talk to my clients about as well. How do you feel your emotions in your body? So for example, if you're anxious, do you have to use the restroom often or do your hands just get sweaty? Um, these things are indicators to let you know which emotions you're feeling. And I know sometimes you may feel similar things with different emotions, but you may know, okay, when I'm angry or scared, um, I feel this, my body reacts this way. Um, that's what fight or flight kind of helps you with when you are 
fearful. So just getting to know how your body physically responds to things as well helps you to get to know you as well. You could even journal about your day and how your emotions came out in that day and what it looked like and how people responded to you as well. So um, these are different aspects of just getting to know you. And as you guys know, we are all humans who are flawed. I like to remind us of that as often as possible because I'm a flawed human. Um, We are all flawed and thank God for Christ's grace in our lives. Um, But we all have blind spots. So that's where the next step comes in, which is self-management. So a person who understands the importance of self-management is a person who asks themselves the hard questions that self-awareness calls for, which is what we just talked about. But they also stay around long enough for the answers, right? Um, so you can you can also know about yourself that you don't like to know about yourself, which is not helpful either. So <laughs> you need to get to know what the answers are to the questions that you're asking yourself. But self-management goes a little further and it kind of asks yourself, what's something I can do about these answers? So I talk to my clients about this all the time. Um, I think it's great to have self-awareness. It's also it's awesome. It's important. But if you do nothing with the information, that is then a waste of information. There's no reason for you to know what you know. So, you know, if you know that you're always late and it makes the people you say you care about feel less cared for, you don't get a prize for knowing that. <laughs> okay? You don't just know when I'm late, it hurts the people I care about. You know, no one's going to throw flowers on the stage because you know that you're hurting the people you care about. You don't get a prize for that. Um, It's like people knowing that they hurt their partners by flirting with people on Instagram, liking pictures they know they shouldn't, or being forgetful and not taking measures to remember things that matter to others. Just knowing your flaws doesn't make your relationship better. You actually should be taking more responsibility with that information that you now have. And the Bible talks about being a good steward. And um, Luke 12, 48 says, to whom much is given, much is required. And also talks about how, you know, when a lot of trust is given, you know, much is required from you as well. And I think, I think we really get in the habits of taking people for granted and getting too comfortable to the point where we are not cherishing the gift of relationship. And relationships are basically one of the most important things after eating, eating and sleeping and drinking. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you were on this earth isolated, you're going to die sooner. That's just how it works. Like you're going to die sooner. So relationships are very important. And I think, you know, people may put romantic relationships higher than the other relationships in life and then end up being miserable people when they don't have relationships. Um, But when you turn self-awareness into self-management, that's when you see your understanding, your understanding translated into something more, um, than just sensitivity and emotions but it's a it's a deeper level of emotional int- words emotional maturity so this is where emotional self-control comes in as well um as i spoke about earlier um second corinthians 2 5 speaks about taking our thoughts captive so this means that people who engage in self-management commit to never saying insulting things to the people that they say they love no matter how angry they are so It is not true that people always say things that they regret in arguments. And I think, you know, a lot of people from maybe the way you grew up or watching TV, I don't know, you've assumed that, you know, when you're angry, you just say what's on your heart in the moment. But you can actually have a mature conversation and never insult somebody like it never has to happen. So I think, you know, we learn in our environment. So it could be a past relationship that you were in that kind of marred you. It could be your 
your childhood could be anything that has made you feel this way but that literally never happens to happen so learning emotional maturity um, and controlling your feelings and you know the way that you express them is so important for the longevity of relationships there I'm sure there are a lot of relationships where they've never said things that were insulting I'm sure they've said things incorrectly but they may have never name called so I was talking to a parent recently about this because at times when her when um, mm, she's in relationship with people, she will say things that hurt their feelings because they said something that hurt her feelings. But sometimes she says things to um, others that are a bit meaner than they had to be, a, a, a bit more of a retaliation than they had to be. Um, so I talked to her about just making a list of things that she knows will hurt my client that she will never say, no matter how bad my client says whatever to her. So I think that's important to do that with people you say that you love because it's just, it ruins the, you can never take the things that you said back. It never happened. You can say sorry, but no one can unhear them. So regardless of you saying like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that I hurt your feelings for saying that, you still said it. And at one point, it seems like you meant it, you know? So you never want to say things that you don't, you say that you don't truly mean. Um, so I think making a list in relationships where like, I'll never call this person this thing because I know that it affects them. And I know it come it connects back to their relationship with their father or it connects back to their relationship with a past coworker or um, whatever it is, but just making a list and, and not saying things that you know is going to purposefully hurt people will definitely help the longevity of relationships and the progress in the conversation because we have to remember that you guys are on the same team so I think that's a thing I, I think I've talked about this before in the past you are on the same team if you are in a relationship with somebody that you've chosen to be in a relationship with and you can choose to be in a relationship with family members so it this this relates to them as well you're on the same team if you guys are having a conversation. There's been a disagreement and you guys both want to feel heard. You both want to feel seen. And you both probably, hopefully, want to come to a conclusion where you guys can see things the closest to the same as possible. So if you if that's not your goal in relationship, you need to get back to the the basics and figure out why you're even in relationship with people if your goal is not to get to a positive conclusion. But you guys are literally on the same team. So... Another part of being self, uh, learning to self-manage is being goal-oriented and remembering. <laughs> like, don't get lost in the middle where you're like, oh, well, you said this thing this way or the tone that you used was this way. When you're you're not really working towards the end goal, you're getting caught up in semantics. Um, so you have to have strong enough, you have to be strong enough in yourself to know, like, not to stoop to another person's level, even if they say the worst things or do the worst things to you. And this is not me saying to stay in unhealthy relationships like I spoke about in last week's episode. Um, that's not what I'm asking you to do. Um, but you don't have to tarnish your own character for someone else. So, and also when you don't, it allows them to see themselves, but also for you to remain loyal to you um, and who you said that you want to be. And that goes back to you being um, self-aware. What kind of person do I say that I want to be? And no matter who's standing in front of me, I still want to be that kind of person. Um, so it doesn't matter what someone says to you or what they do, you don't stoop to their level. So self-management is really all about being trustworthy and engaging with integrity with a positive outlook. And also being able to say like, 
wow, this thing that I'm doing hurts others. And it also doesn't have to be a core characteristic trait of mine. I don't have to be this person. This doesn't have to be a part of who I am. And I can actually adapt. So that's really what self-management has to do with. Figure out like, is this who I am or is it something I can change and still be me? Um, and that's why having accountability is so important um, in the self-management area. You want people you you know to trust that when they come to you with their hurt or when they come to you saying that you've hurt them, um, that they don't have to fear that you'll make their feelings feel small or unimportant and that they don't have to fear that you'll insult them if you say something that um, they've said that offended you. Even if it wasn't something insulting, it could be something that just offended you. You know, so sensitive people don't like to hear things that just go against what they believe about themselves. So it could be anything could be offensive, really. So um, that's why it's important to have people in your life who hold you accountable as well. So the next is social awareness. Now, we all can think of a moment where we completely missed the social cues, okay? And we can also think of someone who is habitually offending, a habitual offender <laughs> when it comes to this. Like these people can never read a room, not one time, not even to save their lives could they read the room. <laughs> and the way, you know, I've explained this concept to my clients is that, you know, you, you may have like a good grade or a raise or something awesome happening in your life. You bust in the room and you realize that someone you care about is crying and they're being consoled by someone else. Now, would the socially aware person be like, oh, girl, I don't know what is wrong with you. I don't know why you sat on the same day in the same hour that I just got this raise. But, ooh, ooh, you know, what I'm saying start doing a TikTok dance. No, you, you put your raise on the back burner for a second and you listen and you wait for a better time to talk about your raise. That is self-awareness. So you know that your raise matters. Your raise is important. Um, and if you're in a relationship with someone who's also emotionally intelligent, they will be able to be happy for you when that time comes to talk about it. Um, they won't demean your your uh, happiness because they were recently sad or in a mad mood. Um, but you, you don't want to just stomp over other people's experiences and just completely miss uh, other people's emotions in, in the conversation. So another aspect of social awareness is being able to explain your feelings well, you know, while being aware of how how you're being understood and also sense the way that things are being received and that just sounds confusing and, and complicated and it's because it is <laughs> and as I've said before communication is a real skill it's it's a real skill and there are a lot of things to be mindful of when you are communicating but I think that's why it's important to check and make sure what you're saying is being received in the same way that you are trying to communicate it so you can ask people you know, can you summarize what you hear me saying? Um, what did you understand that I said? Um, and this is really important uh, for parents to do with children as well, because you may think that little Johnny heard that whole list of things you told him to do, but Johnny probably heard the first and last thing, because that's usually how humans remember things, the first and last thing you said to them. So if you ask someone, what did you hear that I said to you? And they say, well, it sounds like you're just mad at me because I went to work today when you were sad and it's like no that's not what I said to you I was saying that it made me sad that you went to work and then they can say oh that makes more sense um and there are so many miscommunications in conversation but when you slow it down and, and allow yourself to understand what someone's saying and and make sure that they understood what you said correctly 
and take that time, it'll slowly become habit in your relationships. Um, but obviously you have to be in relationship with people who are, you know, willing to do that with you. And some people are not willing to do the work. So that is that. Um, and you know, relationship management kind of, that kind of leads us into relationship management. Um, relationship management is basically the epitome of the day after the honeymoon phase. Um, so that's, that's when you, you figure out that, you know what, this actually is going to take me some work. I'm gonna have to work. So approximately, uh, two months to two years is the, the honeymoon phase. Um, and that's just, you know, obviously a, a, uh, estimation. And, you know, if you learn to be emotionally intelligent, I think that the honeymoon stage never ends, you know, for successful couples and relationships because they are, they understand what it takes to be in a relationship. But, um, I'm sure there's research out there that supports that, you know, people who think relationships are supposed to just, just work, you know, like you just set it up and it, it runs off into the sunset by itself. Those are the people who end up getting divorces, um, ending friendships and, uh, having distant relationships with their families because they don't quite understand that it takes work. So anyone who has been in a healthy relationship before knows that it's not, you know, the relationship itself, just the reality that two humans have come together that are, you know, keeping it going, but it's people who, you know, provide upkeep and management, um, to keep the relationship improving as time progresses. So, and, and this applies to everything. So, you know, I don't know why some people think relationships are different, but if you stop watering a plant, it's going to die. If you stop going to your job, you're going to get fired. If you buy a home and you never clean it, it's going to get dirty. And you know what? It'll stay dirty till you clean it. <laughs> okay. Um, everything needs upkeep. And I think this is the part that freaks people out in relationships when their partner or when someone they care about or cares about them comes to them and says, something's not working in the relationship. You know, that just might cause a panic. You just hearing me say that. Um, and it's not fun to hear that. It's not a good feeling to hear that something that you care about is not working as you want it to. So, you know, being self-aware about that, that, you know, you can even tell someone, man, I'm really sad to hear that whatever is not working in our relationship or blah, blah, blah. Like you're allowed to communicate your emotions and let people know, you know, the sadness you're feeling because you're hearing that instead of being defensive and switching to anger and then, you know, turn the whole conversation into something it doesn't have to be. Um, so panic is natural in situations where you feel like you're going to lose something. And, and that's when the fear of abandonment comes in and, and the whole thing just kind of gets sabotaged when our attachment styles start clashing, clashing and all the things, all the things. Um, but disagreement is literally a part of upkeep of a relationship. You are still learning each other and you will for a long time. You may still be learning someone in your 80s because people change, you know, people change. So, you know, when you use the previous skills in, in conjunction with um, relationship management, um, it doesn't have to be scary. Uh, and, you know, that whole scenario of just be freaking out when someone comes to you and says something's not working, it would be like if your landlord were to get on their knees and beg you to stay in that home. Just because you called and told them that the AC isn't working. Now, how weird would that be? 
you know, you text them like, hey, AC's not working. Next thing you know, there's a knock on the door. They're on their knees. Please don't leave. What? Instead, the emotionally intelligent landlord says, oh, snap. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm sure it's probably hot over there. I don't know where you live right now. But maybe it's cold somewhere else. It's really cold. AC's. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's really hot over there. Um, I'm so sorry about that. I'll get someone to fix it. Very simple. Um, and it, w- it would take relationship management on your part to respond well if they were to say, you know, well, is it on? Because, <laughs> you know, if you're going to be sensitive or emotional, you can easily be offended by them asking that question. What do you mean is it on? You know, but instead of being offended, you can just go check and think to yourself, you know, maybe I maybe it, it's not on. Um and maybe you go back and you remember, you know, oh, crap, I did turn it off earlier because I was airing out the house and I completely forgot, you know. So we just need to be open in relationships to be wrong and open to change um, and also to be aware enough to know how we're feeling in the moment as well. Um, so, you know, you're allowed to have differing opinions and pushback, um, but also you want to have change and collaboration. Um and none of these things can actually improve if you are crippled by fear at any stage of this. If you're crippled by fear before you can even be self-aware, you, that's a that's a really hard place to be crippled. If you feel like you do well with, um, you know, being there for people when they're emotional, but also not even not giving them feedback or or helping out of, out of fear that this might happen or that might happen, just at any you know, as we know, as Christians, the Lord calls us, that's one of the main things the Bible tells us not to fear. Um, so obviously fear is always going to cripple you in some way if you are allowing it to rule you. So, um, if you feel that you are crippled by fear when it comes to these kind of conversations, then I think therapy is a great option to have, you know, someone who can walk you through this and you can just let them know, like, I'd really love to learn more about how to be more emotionally intelligent. Maybe you can say, I heard this podcast and they were talking about the four factors and I'd like to kind of go through that and see how that's affecting my relationships. And it's really that simple. <laughs> you can just bring that to a therapist. Um, and I think it's better to do the, do it this way than to bring it to other people all the time um, because some people may have stake in your relationship, especially if we're talking about um, a husband and wife um, or someone who's dating. You know, you don't want to always be going to your parents and telling them what so-and-so is doing because that, that can affect their view of that person. Um, that can be you know, for friendships and family as well. You know, you don't want to always, I don't know, go to your grandma about things that your mom is doing because then that can affect your relationship with your mom and your grandma. So it just depends. You have to be self-aware in this situation for sure. And if that's something you struggle with, then just go to therapy. <laughs> um, you know, so you don't want to bring too many people into the issue unnecessarily. So, yes, um... I also think I'm going to do an episode on the benefits of going to therapy at some point as well. So, um, yes. So if it's hard for you, I think it is, it would be important for you to go to therapy and it, this may be obvious, but for people who are more, um, maybe outspoken or uh, what's the word extroverted. So people who are more prone to being warm and having a good sense of humor being more optimistic, these things might actually be a lot easier to implement in their lives um, just because it comes more natural to them to be relational people. 
Um, but everyone has the ability to be emotionally intelligent. It has nothing to do with where you grow up, how you, how you, what your hair looks like, whatever. Anyone can be emotionally intelligent. So I definitely recommend the book I suggested. If you're not comfortable going to therapy yet, um, getting emotional intelligence 2.0 would definitely a great, be a great book for you to just sit down with and get to know yourself. You know, you can even ask the people in your life, you know, which one of these things do you feel like I need to work on? Um, uh, which ones do you think I, I, I do well with? And as you're kind of exploring you and how you relate to other people, just kind of bouncing off of people that care about you because we don't want to do this with people that are unsafe or unhealthy people because that will not be helpful to you. Um, so yeah, definitely recommend that book. I will put that in the description, but you know, I hope this episode help, you know, will help you guys on your journey to get to know yourself a little better, to manage your emotions and also just understanding how to be more socially aware and manage your relationships better. So as you guys know, you can follow the parallel at the parallel pod on Instagram at the parallel pod. That sounded <laughs> redundant, but you can also follow the parallel on TikTok as well. Also, thank you so much for everyone who is actually rating the podcast on Spotify. I see you guys. I haven't checked Apple in a little bit, but I, pre- you know what? I like people who listen. You know what I'm saying? Y'all are really, uh, what's the word? Socially aware. <laughs> Y'all listen when I say words. So I appreciate that. So thank you guys for rating and sharing this with your friends. Um, so as you guys know, remember to speak the truth in love and kiss the sun. I'll speak to you guys next week. Bye.